Welcome, welcome. You are listening to a very festive episode 20 of the Reenactors Ramble. We're officially on the one week countdown to a very strange Christmas this year. Uh, but fear not, we are on hand to transport you forwards in time to the wonderful world of reenacting and to provide you all with an escape from these very, very strange times. I am unfortunately without my good pal, Mr. Jones, who is unable to join me recording this evening. But fortunately, the good news for your listening pleasure, we are joined by the wonderful Ruby Woo girls, Jess and Ellie. How are you both doing tonight? Hi. Yeah. Doing really well, thank you. And how's your day been, Jess, Ellie? Um, it's been a bit of a long one. Uh, glad it's over now, but yeah, not too bad. Great, and looking forward to the Christmas break? Definitely. Yeah, yeah it'll be really nice. I think a quiet one at home, as most people will be having, we think. But yeah, it should be good. Definitely. Pretty unprecedented times, you know. I think everybody's just sort of, I don't know about you guys, but just willing the, the next few weeks to almost be over and look ahead to the reenactment season in front of us absolutely can't come soon enough for us no definitely hoping for an excuse to get out there again and start joining in on events again definitely so um i think what would be great um i'm sure that many many of our audience listeners out there uh, are aware of who the ruby woo girls are um but i guess uh, first and foremost let's let's do the uh the introductories first so so jess do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself who you are where you're from uh, yeah, so I'm currently in Hampshire. I'm one half of Ruby Woo Girls. I've known Ellie for very, very many years, and I blame her for my absolute love of vintage and reenacting. <laughs> Brilliant. And how about yourself, Ellie? Yeah, hi, I'm Ellie. I'm based in Kent. And uh, yeah, and I've been Jess's devil on her shoulder now for about 11 <laughs> years, and uh, I'm quite happy to take the blame for getting her into vintage. Awesome. Awesome. And as always, um, we always love to hear the, the very customary story of, of how you guys uh, tripped or stumbled across this very nerdy hobby of ours. So Ellie, do you want to start off and let us know how did you find this world? And it sounds very much like you influenced Jess to sort of joining the world of reenacting as well. I did. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, it started from a love of history. I've been into history since I was a child, things I read, films I watched, you know, period dramas and old musicals. And um, my parents would take my sisters and I to English Heritage, National Trust properties, you know, lots of old castles and old houses. And so it grew from being a love for, of history in general into a love of vintage because I also really love sort of um, fashion history, historical costume. Um, so I went to my first event I think as a teenager with my parents, um, I thought I looked the absolute bee's knees in my, in my (laughs) new look floral dress. Um, hmm. but it, it sparked sort of an interest, um, in joining the two together, together. So, um, then when I met Jess and we became friends, I dragged her into the hobby and we both fell in love with it. Awesome. And how did you meet Jess? Ah, well, uh, <laughs> um, so I swapped schools at sixth form, um, went to a school where I didn't know anybody. Um, Ellie and I, I think we were in the same form group. I don't think we had any classes together, but we um, spent quite a lot of uh, spare hours sat in the library watching Downton Abbey and sharing <laughs> banana bread. Um, again, you know, just the love of period dramas and such bringing us together. Uh, obviously Ellie went to this event with her family, told me about it. That sounded really interesting. Um, I'd always loved vintage fashion. Um, my mum collected it and I definitely got that from her and Ellie honed me into the 1940s. Fantastic. So you guys were what about sort of 15, 16, 17 when you first sort of found the world? Yes. Yeah, about that. I think 17 at our first event, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, sounds about right. It's always it's always really interesting. I find that you know some people get into this almost from sort of children at eight years old, and other people find the hobby at you know much later in life at twenty five, twenty six, maybe even thirty years plus. I always find it really, really intriguing. Sort of how people fell into the hobby as well. Um, and one of the sort of thoughts that I had, um, I must approach in this episode was: is there a sort of nature nurture argument to, to reenacting, and, and, and which one is? is the more popular sort of introduction to the hobby. Um, Cause I guess some people are very much brought into it through their parents. Um, I guess interests, you know, and if I ever have children, I'm sure my kids will be dragged kicking and screaming into the, into the hobby, whether they like it or not. Uh, but do you think there is an argument for sort of nature versus nurture in, in how people sort of approach the hobby and find the hobby? Um, 
I think that maybe perhaps to be uh, b- brought straight into it as a reenacting hobby perhaps would be something you would get off of somebody else. I don't think that perhaps you would stumble upon the world uh, on your own. Um, I don't know, could be the case for some people, but I know that I definitely just very vaguely floated in the era of I love anything 20s to 60s mm-hmm. before Ellie really focused in and helped yeah. me see that the 40s was the ideal. The way forward. Okay. Yeah, the way forward, absolutely. So Jess, um, you told us a little bit more about that there. So can you tell us a little bit more, I guess, specifically about how this love of the 20s to 60s, Downton Abbey, banana bread all turned into <laughs> to Ruby Woo Girls and you know tell us all about what Ruby Woo Girls is about you know let, let's write a, a very you know short brief bio of what Ruby Woo Girls is and what you guys do together. Um, I think that to begin with it came from uh, trying to find somewhere to put all of our vintage photos that wasn't just going to wind up all our, our regular friends on social media um, and I guess it became a bit of an excuse to go to more events to get better images to show off more of what we'd collected um uh it definitely started out with this looks vaguely of the era and then it just sort of as we got more and more immersed in the world became much more about um really really trying to find the perfect absolutely true to the era items settings places to go um, and just connecting with other people in the same world Definitely. You've, you've touched upon something um, there, Jess, that we seem to have discussed with with various guests and between ourselves and how you almost have this sort of reenacting friendship group and this, this other world, the normal day-to-day world. Um, and, and what we found is that a lot of people tend to hide the existence of their sort of interaction or interest in the hobby for fear of ridicule in the in the regular world. So do you find that you keep, do you keep these these two worlds very separate, separate or is there a bit of a, an overlap into, I guess, your regular day-to-day life? Um, definitely through school um, and sixth form, I would say I kept things a lot more separate. Uh, I think that having gone to an arts university and being around um, a place where everybody was very unique, I all of a sudden realised I didn't care. So if I wanted to go to university one day with victory rolls on, I did. Um, and now I don't. I'm not phased at all. My um, a friendship group at home, nobody else really is um, into vintage aside from Ellie, but I will happily go to a barbecue in a 30s dress because I can. And I, I've gone beyond being bothered by what anybody else thinks about it because I like it. Great. I, I don't know if Ellie keeps her lives a little more separate, but I just I don't bother anymore. I used to, I think, but then I guess a lot of my friends were theatrical people anyway, so they wouldn't be phased about, uh, you know, a vintage dress or vintage makeup in the same way. But I suppose, I guess I kept it on the down low while I was at school. It was the same with sort of theatrical things anyway. Um, But definitely post-uni, I think I've also learned not really to care. I mean, sometimes, sometimes when you get odd stares on the street, you think, oh, 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 I don't know. But no, no, I, I love it. And I, I'm quite happy for the two to to mix a little bit more. I think when we started up the page, as Jess says, we kept all of our event pictures and vintage outfit pictures and everything on there. But I feel like they're starting to bleed together a little bit more now. Um, I think more and more people finding out that this is what we love to do in our spare time. Definitely. I think it's a, it's a wonderful moment. I think when you almost pass that sort of threshold, I think that Jess mentioned of sort of, Mm. you know, I don't care anymore. Like this is who I am. This is what I love. Um, and this is why I do it. And and you, you know, you just sort of focus in that direction and head off. Um, it is, I think it is sad that we even have to have that sort of argument, you know, that, you know, it's not necessarily mainstream or conformative, but it is, I think, a little bit sad still that at some point there's, there might be somebody out there who who does feel the need to sort of hide it. I know I went through a lot of years of ridicule from a sort of close friends. You know, they went down as banter, I think, with just, you know, mm. friendly guy banter. But I, I do always think it's a little bit um, sort of sad and, you know, a little bit cruel, I think, sometimes when, uh, when people can face ridicule for that. But I wondered whether, um, you know, whether it is, is it easier for guys or girls, do you think, in terms of, you know, combining those, those two worlds there? Because, I mean, I guess for a guy, 
you could argue that you could stick on a, an M43 jacket or something similar and it looks very much like a day-to-day Oasis type, you know, military inspired jacket. Um, but then I guess for girls, you could also, you know, wear makeup in a particular style or hair in a certain style. And it might also sort of fit a little bit. So do you think it's, it's easy for guys or girls to sort of combine that into their day-to-day world? I, I mean, I probably think it's slightly easier for girls because I mean, I think we've got more of a a spectrum that we can explore in terms of how authentic we want to go in terms of, I suppose, civvy wear. Um, So I think it's relatively easy to throw on a a vaguely vintage looking dress and some red lipstick and say, oh, yes, I'm going sort of vintage style, but it's not too far removed from modern fashion. Um, Whereas I suppose once you go the the full hog, then you're going to get more of a, a reaction from people. Mm-hmm. I think I think perhaps as well maybe um it's easier if you are following the civvy um the civvy side of it yeah. it would be very easy to throw together a men's 1940s um civvy style and yes you'd just look like you'd dressed up incredibly smartly but it would pass more easily than a full-on uh, military reenactment or items mm. of so I think that probably would make it easier as well yeah that's a really good point and I, 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 you know, I've not never explored the sort of male side of the civilian world yet. And I think that's something that I'd quite like to do. And I think probably one of the reasons is what you guys have mentioned there is that, you know, you, you almost, people just think, well, why are you wearing a suit sort of thing? And that doesn't look like modern day suits. So I've always sort of, I don't know, not, not quite found the, uh, the sort of opportunity, but maybe I should explore it at some point. I always feel like if I was wearing a civilian outfit, I would feel like I was missing out on wearing a military one because I've got so many of them. But who knows, maybe I'll find that love for that some point as well that's sure. fair enough we've had a few interesting ones we had we went to dover castle's 1940s weekend and we had a lady come up to us at the station uh train station and say oh are you are you sisters or are you bridesmaids because we all happen to be <laughs> wearing the same dress because we're cool like that so mm-hmm. uh, yeah bridesmaids isn't it crazy people sort of see you in this whole you know people aren't educated i guess are aware of, of the reenacting world and the questions you get are bewildering sometimes aren't they you know you see people I mean sometimes we do photo shoots in in woodland areas and things like that and people sort of see you know 10 guys getting out of Ford Fiestas and transit vans and you know piling out deactivated weapons and thinking what on earth is going on it's a bit of a a strange one so I guess on that front you know is there any other strange questions or experiences that you've had with members of the public I guess in relation to sort of wearing uh, you know, World War II, um, civilian or military equipment, you know, have you had any other sort of strange questions or experiences? Um, not sort of, not strange so much as in unpleasant. I wore a, I wore a, a vintage style dress uh, to London and I wore it with a uh, seam defect tights. Uh, I was out with my mum for the day and she notified me that a man sat behind us on the train was trying to look up my skirt (gasps) which I presume was purely down to wearing a seamed style of tight um but beyond that mostly it's just lovely comments from people saying oh gosh you remind me of my mum," or oh you look like this photo I found of a relative so normally the lovely comments outweigh the Mm. the very few negatives yeah it's a shame that you sort of had that experience about the tights it's a it's a weird thing isn't it it's sort of on one hand, really authentic, but then there might be these strange, strange men that has some sort of fetish appeal to them for, you know, for some unknown reason. So it's, I guess it's quite disappointing to have that sort of contrast there. And that's something that we still got to rid out of the world and, and, and within the hobby as well. But, um, you know, at, at least those those more positive experiences hopefully outweigh in the, uh, the negative for sure. Yeah, oh, they, they definitely do. They do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, overwhelmingly positive, both, you know, in person and comments on our Instagram page. And we think, you know, the highest compliment you can get is, oh, you look just like my granny did, you know, back in the 40s. And oh, oh, my mother had a suit just like that. That That is the highest compliment because it, it shows you're doing something right. And, you know, if it's evocative of something positive for that person, I think that's really, really lovely. I think, I think the main negative for, for us generally, I suppose, is the odd comments you get that sort of, uh, um, it's the whole um, vintage style, not vintage values. And occasionally you'll get someone who equates, you know, looking very, I guess, um, feminine, um, you know, with the hair done and the makeup and the pretty dress with certain outdated values about, you know, modesty and the the role of women and all these things, which could 
we could go into a massive roundabout, but won't. But I think that's one sort of source of frustration is an assumption that if you dress vintage, um, that you have certain ideals that sort of they think go along with those, which are not true of of um, of us in the in the modern world. We have very modern <laughs> modern ideals, um, but thankfully they are few and far between as far as we've experienced them. But they do sort of get our backs up a little bit. It must be said. absolutely, <laughs> you know. And, and feel free. This is the home of, of ranting, so feel free if you do want to go off on a, a stir crazy emotional rant by all means. You <laughs> know, have fill, to. Your, fill your boots early. Fill your boots. <laughs> But no, yeah, it's a, it's a strange old thing, that whole, I see this uh, this hashtag um, vintage style, not values, or, or similar connotations mm. floating around quite a lot. And I always sort of think, well, why do people even have to put that? Um, and it's the same, for, for, I mean, I personally experienced the same sort of thing, you know, um, I've been called a nationalist and various other very cruel, suggestive, mm. um, you know, derogatory things, um, just slung at you because you've got an interest in um you know world war ii and i think it's very very unusual that people will just tar you know uh an interest in your family's military history to being discriminative or having those old school values you know i think we can be objective and you can respect the days and try and remember those things and and do our best to put on a great impression and also have modern day values and in you know uh, ideals and, and and opinions as well. So I, yeah, it does get my back up as well when you know people do tie those things together um, as though that they are you know joined concretely um, and there they can be no sort of separation between the two. It's very strange. It is, yeah, and I think also comes sort of hand in hand with that is um, I guess assuming that we look at the era through rose tinted glasses and want to live there and think, oh, you must wish you were born back then. Well. No, actually, thank you. It was a mm. war. Yeah, I enjoy great. Netflix too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. exactly. Absolutely, yeah. I enjoy having mm. rights. You know, um, and I suppose I just can't <laughs> get past the sort of the front that you're presenting um, to think that no, we are you know, multifaceted people and uh, have other interests and uh, other priorities as well. Yeah. So, so why you know I guess um, Jess, why, why are we so in love with the 1940s? Why are we so interested? Because as you just touched on there, Ellie, it's you know, there was a war on, families were being torn apart through, you know, either evacuation of children or men going to war, sons were dying, you know, women were, were, were off fighting and, and doing their their, their 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 bit too. So, you know, it's such a very difficult and challenging time for the world, not even just the nation that we live in. Why are we so fascinated with it? Um, I, I guess it was just such a, a time of such great change I think that so much happened in so few years as Ellie said it's the historical aspect of all the things that happened in that compressed time I know that it's um, I'm from a military family so there is you know some of the respect of the military and everything that they did for us through that time um, I watched war films with my dad it's the love of the films that you then find out more about the era and what truthfully was happening um I guess you know finding out what the women would have been doing whilst the men were doing what they were doing in all the films um and I don't really know I think it's I don't really know fully what it is about the entire era but there is just something about it it was just fascinating I think there was just so much going on and so many things that you can look into um I'm constantly learning about things that I just never even knew existed and I love that yeah, I agree. I think you never, you never finished. I, I mean, I'm looking at uh, some bookshelves I've got, you know, and I need to buy another one because I've ran out of space again, you know, and you've got hundreds and, and every time you read a new book, you learn something new that you, you didn't know. Um, or maybe it pushes something else out of your brain and you forget who knows, but um, you know, you, you never finished with it. Are you? And I think you, you made some really great points there and I'm, I'm not sure what the exact answer is, you know, who knows, maybe for me, it was, it's the, the boyish sort of childish appeal of, um, you know, adventure and whatnot. I think the idea of going off and, you know, being, um, showing some sort of national pride and going off and fighting for your family and your country seems like a very sort of, I guess, uh, I don't know, you know, heroic type thing to do. But I think outside from those things, the things that we probably don't read into as much, I think World War II was a huge kickstarter for the civil rights movement, especially in America. Um, you know, I think that really, really kickstarted things. And I think from the, the late fifties onwards, you know, we've seen a huge movement in America, which was down to world war two. And the fact that, um, 
you know, minorities were able to to take part and participate and to then gather and gain respect that they they fully well deserved. I think in probably more in Britain, you know, the Commonwealth War Graves was established, um, which, you know, provided a slightly different view of, of soldiers that went to war. You know, prior to World War One, it was, you know, very much seen as sort of peasants and lowlifes that went to war. And, you know, World War One onwards, especially into World War Two, the Commonwealth War Graves Commission came in and started treating everybody with respect, whether you're an officer or an enlisted man, you had a gravestone that was marked in the exact same way. Um, I think which was uh, another sort of great aspect of this country changing and changing its values towards being more, you know, showing more equality there. And I think lastly, I think the other thing for me that isn't blindingly obvious is there was almost like a a post-war era of entertainment and trying to be more positive and, you know, just rebuilding the nation, which probably, you know, like I said, almost forces into this era of entertainment and making war movies and stories and books, um, which probably all went, and I think that's probably the biggest kickstarter for us, I guess, is, is, is people in our 20s and 30s seeing that that entertainment that was produced back then and and maybe that's what sort of draws the the adventure of the interest. But Ellie, I don't know if you've got any sort of similar thoughts or contrasting views on that. Not contrasting, I definitely agree. I think, as Jess touched upon it, you know, it was a time of, of great change and I think I, I'm interested in sort of the lives of, of women in particular throughout history. I, I find that fascinating, be it down to you know, little details in their clothing or little things they did in their day-to-day lives, um, everything that sort of builds up that sort of rich tapestry of what life was like. And I think the opportunities that women had um, to do such great work during the war, I find endlessly fascinating um and definitely want to do more research about it and and again as Jess said you we're constantly learning and there's so much that we that we want to to keep learning about um I uh, spend lots of my summer holidays in Suffolk and that's a particular area of interest for me just the idea of well the as the Americans descending on these sleepy Suffolk villages to build airfields and things um and, and wooing just, the British ladies. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I think, I think it's just so, it's so rich a period. Um, and there's just so much to learn and yeah, I, I guess we'll, we'll never, we'll never know everything. And, uh, yeah. No, you guys are making me excited to learn more now and sort of, yeah, it's, yeah, it's always good to have people on who are sort of inspiring you to, to keep going with the hobby for sure. So, and speaking of the hobby and I guess a little bit more about the, you know, Ruby Woo Girls, um, would you guys class yourselves as a reenactment group? Um, and, and could Ruby Woo Girls expand into some, uh, you know, I guess a, a wider group and a, and, a, and a bigger thing than it perhaps is just now with the two of you? Oh, could we go global? Oh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we both feel that we're not a reenactment group, I suppose, because it it still kind of feels like it's just the two of us, two best friends just going to events and trying to you know build up a, a great collection of things so i suppose yeah so i suppose for us it's it's more us um yeah showing showing the beautiful clothes and experiencing the the civilian perspective of it though we do have some lovely friends in the vintage community and uh you know always meeting new people so i wonder maybe we should maybe we should join up with other people and form like a civilian reenactment group um but we do have a group of girls now um and we well we had great plans to go to loads of events together this year (sighs) um but um we've we've become friends through through events and so i you know for 2021 have now visions of like the six of us sort of going as a group to events all in our fabulous clothes so you know maybe maybe that's the way forward for us amazing what do you think jess yeah, I would I would love to do more um yeah, maybe get into it more to actually feel like we were a reenacting group rather yeah. than as Ellie says group of friends with a hobby at the moment. Um I think perhaps maybe I would feel more um as though I were a reenactor if there was perhaps a local site that we went to sort of quite semi regularly to uh put on display or something. Um for example, uh Kent Life Museum do a fantastic Christmas event um, and they obviously have lots of people that work there that put on um, displays if we were ever to be so lucky to be invited to do something like that 
then I might start considering, oh, actually, I do feel a bit like I am a reenactor now, not just someone who needs an, uh, needs to go to events to, mm. you know, justify the extensive wardrobe I now have. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And well, I'm, I'm very sure that invite will be uh, will be coming in the post shortly after after airing your views there as well. But it's, <laughs> it's quite interesting what you touched on there. And I do always think that the, the, the foundations of a, a strong reenacting group are based on, and as you mentioned, a group of friends who enjoy the hobby and are like-minded. And I think that's always a really, really strong platform there to to go off and to, uh, to create a group there as well. And I guess at the moment, you guys probably enjoy, I guess, a lack of pressure, responsibility, logistics. I mean, I, I guess one of the downsides to being in a group is that, you know, trying to keep morale up and the logistics of it, the accountability and the responsibility that goes with it. You know, I know from being in, in my reenactment group for around 12 years now and being, I guess, fairly senior, if you want to call it that, in within the group in terms of your responsibility and accountability that you hold, it you know it, it, it can become almost like a second job um, in keeping 20, 30, 40 guys, you know, uh, motivated, inspired, trying to keep the logistics there as well. So, but with that, it comes a reward as well, you know, from, from seeing things pulled together, the imagery that's, uh, potentially available from from that as well and, and the displays that you're able to put on as well so you know I'm not trying to, to uh, scare you guys off whatsoever <laughs> but I, I, I would be really intrigued to sort of see how Ruby Wugos could expand and um, you know build on on the great sort of social media presence that you guys have got already and to sort of really build upon there so exciting times it would be it would be really really good to do um, if we ever had such a chance yeah, definitely. and and just focused on, I guess the the I guess female groups again, just for a second there, Jess. Do you think that you know there there's, there's many? Is there many um, female focused groups within the UK or Europe or the, or the world? And and do you think that sort of volume of of, of those groups is increasing? Or, um, I mean, it's not really something I've actually looked into myself because I've I, I'm. Oh, I know, terrible secret time. I've never felt the want to do any form of military reenactment. It's always been civilian. So I don't know if Ellie perhaps knows any more about reenactment groups, uh, maybe uh, just female ones or... I haven't really seen many, if any, so, you know, solely female groups. I've seen quite a few groups sort of on Facebook, on Instagram, that sort of say RAF groups that include um, women as well. Um but I'm not really aware of any all-female groups. Maybe this is something we need to look into. And if they don't exist, well, maybe that's our niche. Um, but yeah, it does seem to feel like there tend to be more mixed sex groups um, out there um, increasingly, I think, which is great. I've seen quite a few advertising on, on Facebook for new members. Um, but yeah, I haven't really been made aware of any that are for just women, but we could have no, just No, I think I know of probably three or four Female, I, I guess I would call them female focus groups, so not necessarily that they're uh, uh, not available to, 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 to the male gender, but probably more just focused on a particular female unit in particular. Um, I think I know of one, I think they're Czechos, uh, a re- women's WAF group from the Czech Republic. Oh yes, we follow um, them, yes. Yeah, those guys are great. I think uh, we'll, we'll probably speak to those guys at some point as well, because oh, I'm, I'm be really great. intrigued about the, uh, the reenacting scene in the Czech Republic, especially the RF as well. Um, I think there is a Marines group in the US, I think, which are quite female folks as well. I know it's, there's a, I think it's a French females group as well, which focus on the, the US side of things. So I know there's a couple, mm. um, but you know, maybe this is the watershed moment. Hopefully we can inspire a few people to kick on and, and to do those groups there. And I think mixed groups is a, is a good thing. Um, for a long time in our group, I mean, when I first started women point blank, just weren't really accepted and that wasn't due to um well at least during the day while the public were there and that wasn't due to the fact that you know there was a um sort of an anti-feminist view or a derogatory view of women it was very much that the impressions that the guys used to put on the scenarios uh were very much of a of a, of a male dominated you know aspect of history particular scene um and and when women were sort of absolutely happy on, on a night but we we, we recently chip well, i said recently probably about seven or eight years ago sort of evolved and and grew that more into an open environment in which our impressions were actually you know open and dependent upon who was interested in attending the event so it no longer went from being you know this is a a scenario where women wouldn't have been it then goes into well what scenario can we do that will include everybody and i think that's the way the hobby is 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 moving towards i think it's really great for 
for everybody, not just females. I think that, that the world is sort of thinking that way. Um, and it's about equality first, sort of before that sort of scenario as well. Yeah, I think that's that's really great. And I think, I suppose, you know, there will still be people whose view of World War II will be from the big war films, which are predominantly male, or the women are just there to look pretty and be the sweethearts of the brave men going off to fight. So I think, you know, having more women in, in groups and showing where they did naturally slot into the scenarios, I think that's that's really good. More of that, please. Definitely. So Ellie, you, you just touched upon uh, the, the old sweetheart sort of pin-up um, mentality in the hobby, which I'm going to be honest, is probably one of my biggest bugbears about this sort of um, the judgmental side of, of females in reenacting. It seems like every photographer just wants to sit a girl on the bonnet of a Jeep and to do a pin-up sort of shoot um, with absolutely every female. And some people love that. I, I I always find it a little bit derogatory that that's the first thing that you want to do and not just photograph them in their own right or, or want as well. So how do you guys think uh, women are, are viewed in the hobby? I guess probably more on the civilian side of things. Is is this sort of sweetheart pin-up view something that I guess you guys respond to positively or is it a pain in the arse? Well, I mean, it's not our style, which, you know, anyone looking at our page would see that that's, that's not what we go for. But... Um, you know, we know of lots of women, women we follow on Instagram who are really into that side of it and look fabulous doing it. So all power to them. Um, I think, yeah, I think if there's an assumption that, oh, you're into vintage. Oh yeah, you must do sort of sexy pinup stuff. I think that's... <laughs> yeah, when's your calendar come not, out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not really the image we're trying to portray. Um, but then I suppose you could, I suppose you might get people who argue that there might be in the opinion that the men are just there to look really dashing and heroic and maybe that's their equivalent. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not our style. It's not something we're into personally. And um, yeah, please don't ask us to pose semi-clothes on top of a teeth, please. Um, but yes, to anyone who, who does it and rocks it, then yeah, that's great. But we'll keep, we'll keep to our, our fashion as it is, I think. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. And, uh, and and Jess, what do you think we can do to inspire even more females to, to join the hobby and for more female groups to come about and for, uh, and I guess, to change that view of the sweetheart within, uh, within reenacting? Um, I guess, sort of as you've touched on before, having the mixed reenactment groups is really good because then it's not just going to be a case of, and the men go and do all the reenacting in their uniforms and the ladies will have to find a nice pretty dress to wear and, you know, be alongside but not involved. I think you know, having that opening for people that want to be involved in the uniform, portraying women of the war at work, it, they've got to have somewhere to go to do that. Um, I think also perhaps when it comes to home front reenactment or civilian reenactment, um, trying to get people that are doing it uh, well. Um, so when you go to events, there's generally quite a lot of, you know, like families with their children come along for the day to enjoy it. And then you'll get um, sort of an array of vaguely vintage attire. But you don't often see um, a good range of women in accurate clothing for the era. It's almost as though they are few and far between because they've gone to the effort to dress up to attend the event. I think that it would be nice to have, obviously, because it's much more my focus anyway it would be nice to have really good home front reenactment to show that if you'd like to be involved but you don't wish to do something military you can do something else um and it's not a polka dot circle skirt either no and i think yeah i think also um that as you say you know the more women we see dressed well at events will encourage more women to to get into the hobby um so yeah, I think we're, we're friends with some some great women who wear amazing clothes, are very jealous of their wardrobes. And I think it's so showing, I think there's one of the great things about our Instagram page is sort of showing some of the lovely authentic pieces we have that aren't, as Jess says, a polka dot circle skirt or halter. And yeah, nothing wrong with those, but not really what women wore in the 40s, um, at least not during the war. Um, and I think... Um, Having more women doing military would be would be great because, as I say, a special interest of mine is learning what women did. And I think starting to dispel that sort of pin up um, image that people think of initially. And yes, 
that's that's fine but also here are some other options as well which might be of interest so i think the more we can we can show examples good examples of you know female uh, military uniforms and things be great and you know tell people about all the awesome things that women did during the war they weren't just there to look pretty absolutely complete agreement there and i think there is a little bit of a um a, a judgmental attitude i guess towards women in the hobby for and i think that sometimes stems from the things you've mentioned there in i guess sometimes limited amounts of research has been done into the impressions in it and it is a you know i want to join in in the fun to a certain extent and i guess for you guys in particular who are doing a lot of research and trying to get things right um you know i guess those kinds of people who are i guess generally new to the hobby or just wanting to take part in that day can then bring down i guess the um the view of of, of women in, in reenacting as well um but it's great to see you guys doing it i think with such sophistication you know away from this generalized pin-up mentality and view you know you guys seem to sort of contrast with that i think in, in a really really positive way and i think that really goes somewhere to sort of i guess improving or enhancing the appearance and quality of, of female reenactors out there and sort of going to change in that that mindset as well so i think that's a big thing and um jess you touched upon the the home front there as well i think that's really important it always seems to me that people think that if it's you know not a military impression of normandy or you know the battle of the bulge or something like that that isn't quite as sexy and as appealing you know it's not as you know because you were at home you weren't doing the fighting and i think the hobby has some way to change that sort of view or opinion i mean i don't know if, i think i know of about three guys in, within my age group roughly that do home guard um because it's dad's army it's not exotic fighting abroad you know that sort of thing and i think we've got a long way in the hobby to go towards sort of encouraging people to do more of that sort of home front type of stuff as well yeah i think so i think that i think it's to show that there is there was more going on um than as you say than just the men um out fighting i think that obviously you touch upon that when you get land um like uh, women's land army groups um sort of that shows some of it there but i think it's the other things as well um like someone sitting down wearing an accurate outfit and knitting some socks to be sent to a soldier at the front because you know things like that acts like that was such a huge part of the war effort but you don't ever see it represented you very rarely see somebody who's turned their entire front garden into a vegetable patch or all those things that were going on all the time day in day out at home um they just don't really get represented mm -hmm. no absolutely so we've got a, a lot of work to do there for sure and uh, and hopefully um we'll be starting to get a little bit more interested in that i know our group there's a few of us mentioned about doing home guard and you know it's a, it's a bit of an interesting subject and many people weren't weren't really up for that but it's something that we sort of thought about and i think you know even the civilian side of things we're sort of tickled with that a little bit to think could we do that but yeah hopefully we can uh we can sort of start inspiring more people to get involved in that and i guess a lot of males as well i think trying to be a little bit more home front and not just you know trying to be the uh easy company dick winters of uh world war ii as well sure um now i think it, it's a good time to address the the intro to the podcast as well um that we heard as well prior to was uh to, prior to us talking so so ellie um that was that was your wonderful singing voice there as well do you want to tell us a little bit more about your your singing background and and how that sort of uh has, has worked its way into the world of reenacting yeah well first of all thank you very much um i mean i've I mentioned earlier that I'm really into theatre and so I've always loved predominantly musical theatre as a child but also love plays as well and would always go and see shows as much as I could and then when I got a bit older and a little bit braver I started to do them myself with some local theatre groups and definitely sparked a passion in me um, and really helped me with my self-confidence as well and so I yeah I absolutely love love performing um, and uh, been lucky enough to do a few shows now and I suppose at some point I thought well I also really love 40s music so let's blend the two together and mm. um, started uh, braving some videos for for the Instagram account um, so uh, yeah, done done a few now. I've got a few more mm -hmm. planned, um, and I'm really enjoying doing it. Um, but it's lovely to sort of bring that passion of mine into into this hobby. Really, absolutely. You, you don't see um, it's too too many people that are. 
I always find you either have sort of entertainers who will sort of reenact a little bit on the side to sort of fit into the 40s theme. You know, and this is anything against um, artists out there, but I almost feel like there's there's people that are reenactors and there's people that are entertainers and there's, there's very few, I guess, reenactors that entertain, if that makes sense. Um, and I do think that, you know, what you guys do, and especially Ellie, you're, you're singing on there on the Ruby Woo Girls page is, is a bit more of that reenactor who entertains as well. And I think we could do with a little bit more of that. I do see, um, I'm going to say, I shouldn't really, but it's not, I'll say it anyway. There's sort of the D-Day Darlings thing, you know, it was great. It was really good seeing sort of this World War II entertainment type focus on there. But as a sort of really nitpicky sort of anorak historian, you know, looking at unbrassled buttons and things like that on these guys and post-war uniforms called the D-Day Darlings, it's sort of, I'm not going to say upset me, but you know, it wasn't, it didn't float my boat, put it that way. So it's really nice to sort of see people that take reenacting very, very seriously, but then also sort of work the entertainment into that as well. And, you know, you're not singing Glenn Miller every single week as well, um, or things like that as well. Um, so it's great to see you guys and, and you know, singing different things as well, Ellie. You're not just singing the uh, the staple sort of uh, 10 favourites that, that are included in every sort of generic 40s world while performance as well. I think that's partially um, my, again, my love of sort of musical theatre um, is, can I work a musical song into this? Well, it's set in the past, so therefore it vaguely fits. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been it's been lovely. Um, and yeah, I, just, I love singing all this. I do love the old 40 standards, absolutely adore them. Um, but it's nice to try a few different things as well, um, just to give a bit of variety and to satisfy myself, really, because I enjoy singing them. Awesome. Awesome. And, and then you mentioned that you sort of perform at shows as well. Is that something you're looking to do a little bit more of next year? I mean, I hope. Um, I really, I really hope so. Because um, I, I miss the theatre. I miss going to see shows and I definitely miss being in them as well. Um, I've been lucky that one of my theatre groups um, in my hometown um, set up an offshoot group um, to produce radio plays using Zoom to see us through the dark days of lockdown. Um, so I've done a couple of plays with them. The second one's going to be released um, on YouTube. The second one I did um, in the new year, I believe. Um, so I imagine that that's going to be the way forward, at least for the first part of 2021. And so that's been a really nice outlet, actually, to get some theatrical folk together and uh, doing a project. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd like to definitely like to do more of that and hope that in the second half of the year, maybe that I could start doing some things in person because I really miss it. Yeah, I can imagine. And it'd be great if, you know, if you send us over those, uh, the links to the shows that you'll be participating in, obviously we'll, uh, we'll, we'll plug those for you and, and get Thank them out you. there so we can spread the wonderful word for sure. Thank you very um, much. It, no problem. And Jess, you mentioned something earlier about, um, you know, uh, a lack of appeal in in the military side of uh, of, of reenacting <laughs> as well. Let's let's dive into that a little bit more. So, you know, what is there is there a reason for that? Is that something you'd ever consider in the future? Um, I mean, plain and simple, the reason is that I work with military uniform every single day, so I don't want to wear it for my days Ooh. off. <laughs> tell us more. So, tell us more about that. I'm a military tailor. Wow. So I, Why didn't I know I this work. already? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so um it's my day job so I just try to take my hobby as far from the day job as possible wow so yeah I mean I don't know could probably be tempted in via the way of you know land army and potentially pushed somewhere that direction but yeah currently no <laughs> incredible incredible so is that is that sort of I guess uh officers commissions in the in the current day army sort of creating their sort of tailored uniforms or um, not quite so glamorous as okay. that. Um, it is anybody's uniforms. All it's right. just, it's alterations. So wow. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's alterations. I just work with the army, not sort of on the high street. Yeah. So oh, yeah, still lots of sewing badges on. Mm -hmm. Great. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, I say great. Obviously you, you don't want to mix that with your hobby too much there. Have that little bit of an escape. <laughs> but yeah, it's always fascinating for me. I mean, I'm useless at sewing. Um, yeah, I'm not very good at that. And I'm always meaning to take things to the tail. Not that I'm going to uh, burden you with it, with a load more work there. But if you ever <laughs> got some time in your hands, uh, for sure. If you're ever down this way. Absolutely. I mean, it's made me a real stickler for looking at people's uniforms. Oh, and, um, well, I don't know very much about a uh, historical uniform, but it really, really bothers me when you go to an event and someone is rocked up in a modern uniform because it's just the wrong colour for starters. Wrong colour, wrong shape. Everything's wrong. And yeah. 
<laughs> so you could, I guess you can spot that a million miles away then having sort of looking at these things every day. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, there's some very telltale signs and it, I am absolutely not a tailor whatsoever, but I've worked in sort of men's fashion and women's fashion for a long time and you can spot the cut of a, a 1940s military suit jacket, you know, a million miles away from a from a 1980s or 90s version of that um, whether oh, RAF or Army, you know, it's it, yeah, you can spot it a million miles away. The, the length of the pockets, the length of the uh, the, the tunic itself, the, yeah, just some very telltale yeah. signs, right? Constantly checking whether people's trousers are the right length because everybody wears them too long. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, God, <laughs> don't get me started with little crinkly <laughs> bottoms on trousers. Please, oh. Louise, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Bugbears. Badly sewn on metal ribbons. Oh God, what what other bugbears have you got there, Jess, for uniforms then, in particular? Um, so. Mostly noticed through uh, things on television is uh, incorrect medal ribbons. So putting post-war medals on for wartime uniforms, like it didn't exist. Or putting them around the wrong way. I, nobody else would know that, but it annoys me that they're around the wrong way. Um, yeah, mixing things up. Blackadder, they have weird combinations on there. I mean, I know it's not accurate, but <laughs> Great. yeah. You're making me feel a little bit better about some of my nuances that I absolutely can't stand as well. I sometimes feel like I'm being a bit neurotic and strange when I sort of pick up on the very small criticism. So I'm glad to know I'm not alone. <laughs> no, don't get Ellie and I started on uh, in- inaccuracies in period dress in films. No, <laughs> please don't, because we will be here all night. <laughs> we'll we'll have to save that for uh, uh, part two, I think, of, uh, of Review yeah. Girls on uh, the Reenactors Ramble. So just speaking uh, of, of, of you guys, I guess, and, and Ruby Woo Girls again, you know, you guys, I guess, are very much predominantly focused around being an English reenactor. You know, you know, do you ever reenact sort of civilian European or US impressions, or do you very much think of of yourselves as you know uh, English ladies in a certain scenario? What do you sort of base your impressions upon? Oh, um, good question. Oh, I don't. Really- I mean, I think we see ourselves as English ladies. Um, but having said that, I think we both, I know I do, own a few, a, at least a couple of American items. Um, so maybe we are a little bit sort of cross-continental a little bit. Um, yeah, oh, I think yeah, that's a good I th- question. I think maybe it's harder to pin down um, the country an item comes from when it comes, again, when it comes yeah. to civilian wear, because things obviously did cross, fashions were everywhere. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, and then okay. if you end up with that magical CC41 label, you know you're onto a winner. Oh, yet to find one. So, and, and where do you guys sort of carry out your research for impressions in comparison with, you know, so I guess guys or girls out there doing military impressions, things are very much documented there, that there are manuals, there are a huge amount of, of sort of books out there on how to do things right. There are, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of period photographs that you can refer to to get your impressions right. Not that everybody does that research. They just go to Soldier of Fortune and purchase whatever's in that catalogue. Um, not that I've got anything against Soldier of Fortune, but hey. No. Um, sure. so, <laughs> so where do you guys, if you listen to Soldier of Fortune, come in the episode, let's discuss it anyway. Um, where do you guys carry out your research for them for, in comparison with those military impressions? Where are you looking and, and what tips would you give to any any female civilian rain actors out there? Um, I tend to look um, at films, look in the background of films. Uh, for example, I keep telling Ellie she must watch Holiday Inn because the costumes in the background are just wonderful. It's not what the main cast are wearing, it's what the extras of the time would have been in. And just photographs of um, just people documenting the time. Uh, just look at a photograph of a street and go, oh, okay, so my skirt looks like that lady's skirt, so it's okay. Uh, sort of about as about as in depth as I get with it but right right okay cool and how about yourself Ellie yeah both of those definitely and I think it's an interesting point isn't it that you can look at extras and they tend to look more authentic than the main cast because maybe the fashions weren't sexy enough for Hollywood or something I don't know um but adding to that um I really love looking at sort of yeah as Jess said ordinary photos of ordinary folk on the streets and uh at home or whatever sort of uh, but I, I do like looking at sort of um, fashion plates in books or online as well to see what the ideals were and some of the, the really lovely fashions that came through. Definitely. And and where do you guys find uh, find the outfits, find your kit? Is you know Do you have many original items? Are things reproduction? We both started with um, predominantly reproduction things um, from 
Lindy Bop was one of them. They're, they, they're not around anymore. Um, you know, places like Collective. Um, and some of them are quite good quality reproduction. They look quite passable. And um, some of them look very pastiche. Um, and I think that's sort of been a learning curve for us is the more we've researched and more we've gone to events and met people and followed more people on Instagram, started to learn what looks right and what just looks, um, yeah, pastiche basically. But so now um, it's, I think for me, it's predominantly sellers on Instagram and also on Etsy, occasionally fairs um, when there are fairs to go to. Um, and um, that we've met some really lovely sellers at, um, at fairs and things who are really passionate about it and said, oh, you must look at this. You must see this. Oh, try this on. Um, but yeah, there's another, yeah, another great use of Instagram is there are so many sellers on there now and some really great ones too. Which is utterly dangerous That's when so Ellie knows your size and your style. Yeah, yep, I <laughs> do. She sends me endless <laughs> links. I do. I'm awful. Hey, she's just I looking think, out for you. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I'm a good friend. I think the other thing to say is um, it's for, again, for civilian wear, you can make quite a passable impression from more modern items. Yeah. You don't need to go buy the actual truly vintage 40s stuff. There was a lot of 80s items that were the correct shape. You've just got to steer clear of the 80s prints. And it's, I think maybe you just find the right silhouette and then you can, some items you could even pick up on the high street now, I would imagine. Yeah. It's just look for the right shape and style and cut and then you can build upon it from there so definitely yeah we definitely started out with a lot of cheaper items and are now starting to invest I think it can seem I think it can seem um, intimidating I think someone who's very new to it um maybe I mean it's probably just as intimidating for military but I suppose for civilian as I said you know there's that sort of broad spectrum of things you can do um and you know we might have sounded a bit judgy about circle skirts halter necks and things but people that might be a really great in for people is that sort of gently vintage cutesy kind of maybe more 50s style and yeah I would say to anyone who's new to wearing civilian stuff would be start with the reproduction brands um because some of them as I say are really really good um and start with your things you can find in charity shops as Jess said the 80s does 40s things as long as they're not too garish because they they can look really they can look really good and you can you can create a great look with you know if you add the makeup and add some shoes that look vintage as well and so it, it, I, I would caution anyone who wants to get into the hobby against thinking oh right I must go and buy loads of expensive stuff um, okay let's get some suits let's get some dresses um, when they might not even be sure that this is the era they want they might just have an interest in vintage and have sort of seen 40s wear maybe on Instagram YouTube or at events so I suppose I would yeah say start start simply and work out what you really like and work out what the key parts of the 40s look are like you know it's just sort of this, this quite square shoulders or the hemline falling just below the knee things like that um and then you can you can you keep an eye out for things when you're in charity shops when you're sort of scrolling through Etsy and you'll start to get an idea of what looks sort of relatively authentic even if it's not yeah absolutely it sounds like a bit of a a minefield and that there is uh you know there's a lot of specifics i think that will go into making an accurate impression there. So I think we definitely need a part two so that we could dive into that a little bit more, primarily led by you guys, because I will admit my knowledge <laughs> in the area isn't as uh, is, isn't as in-depth as, as yours, I would I would imagine. But I would be really interested, and I'm sure our audience would be really interested to to hear uh, what is you know what is your absolute favourite impression or outfit that you own? Ooh. Ooh. Um, that's a lot of thought involved there. <laughs> um... Should have given you a heads up on that one. <laughs> I think off the top of my head, my personal favourite is um, seemingly very dull. It's a charcoal grey skirt suit, mm. but it just, it was, it might have been my first truly vintage purchase and it just fits beautifully and you can just throw it on and I always think it's going to be a boring outfit and I put it on and I love it every time. And how about yourself, Ellie? Yeah, I think my favourite item would be, I've got this um, baby blue, ice blue 
late 40s jacket that Jess found for me. And um, we were at Retro Festival and Jess saw it first and sort of hollered at me from across a marquee and said, Ellie, look at this. And I just made a beeline for it because it's the most beautiful thing. The tailoring is just perfect. It's got these lovely little blue and pink buttons and it's just so special. And it's probably unique now. There probably isn't another one out there and it's got this little pink lining and it's just the shape of it when you wear it as well it's just so flattering it's absolutely gorgeous I think it's the, probably the most me vintage item I own and yeah absolutely love it and I guess with uh, the female side of, of, of things there especially civilian you can almost look for things that suit your personality more so than I guess military items yes. as well so that must be great to sort of try and match your personality with with garments as well yeah definitely yeah we love it yeah Something you mentioned there as well, which we just don't have in, in the male side of reenacting. If one of my reenacting friends or colleagues, whatever you want to call them, spotted a you know a great military item over there, there is no chance on earth they would shout me over to look at it. You know, they would be like, I am buying this myself. And there was <laughs> no chance they would share that as well. And I'll admit I am guilty on that as well. But uh, who knows why that is, I'm not sure. But yeah, I just don't think guys are as uh, selfless as, as you guys are there as well. So so props to you both on that. And, and earlier on, we just touched upon the um, the reactions to day-to-day dressing vintage. So, um, you know, what are those reactions like day-to-day, you know, when you are wearing these sort of 40s-inspired looks, you know, doing the food shop or, you know, meeting people for the first time? What is the general reaction to that? Um, I don't wear 40s outfits very often, or I didn't used to before we went into lockdown. Um, then I started working on my own. My colleague was furloughed and I decided to wear 40s to work because it made me smile and it made all my customers smile. Um and it just seemed to cheer everybody up. So that was a really positive experience. Other than that, I don't know. I don't really gauge what people's reactions are now because I don't I'm not bothered. I'm I just I struggle to put together a modern day outfit, but I can put together a 40s outfit and feel comfortable in it in any situation. Whereas I, well, I, I told Ellie the other day, I went for a walk and I felt really self-conscious in the outfit I was wearing and it was modern. So I don't know. I think I'm just very comfortable in what I wear. So I don't bat an eyelid anymore. That's awesome that you found such comfort in, in something that you love there as well. And almost beginning to feel more at home in that as well. It's great. Yeah, definitely. Real. And, uh, and Ellie, what about yourself? Is, have you had sort of experienced any sort of strange reactions to it or is it is it sort of generally a positive uh, re- feeling and reaction to it? Generally really positive. You know, if it's just sort of like a little sidelong smile as you're walking down the street or, you know, as, as we've mentioned, like the, the comments, about, oh, you look lovely, you look so smart, just like my grandmother, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I remember when, we, again, when we were going to Dover Castle another year, um, we, we were uh, um, on the high street and I overheard a man saying about my hat um oh she looks like she's going to ascot because obviously the only reason a modern woman could be wearing a hat is to be going to ascot i think well i think i'd be a little bit lost in dover but thank you i think (laughs) Um, but yeah yeah, i think it's just occasionally you get people who seem a bit confused as like what's the occasion or are you are you in costume are you are you doing a show are you what are you doing so i think as, as people sometimes struggle to compute that you might just want to do this for the sake of it because you love it and you enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of uh, some of those challenges um, that you guys face as, as female reenactors, what, what challenges and opportunities are there facing female reenactors in, in the hobby at the moment? Um, I, I think it's probably finding a group to begin with um, who do impressions that you want to also do. Um, it's, yeah, uh, making yeah just make sort of making your way into it and starting out because as you said it, it's not predominantly female focused or not in many areas anyway so I guess you just have to be, be really gutsy and just push yourself forward and say no I'm going for this and I will find a group that fits me awesome how about yourself Ellie any any contrasting views or thoughts I think well I think that um as I sort of mentioned that it can be a bit intimidating for an outsider. I think sometimes it can get quite competitive is the sense I get in terms of sourcing great vintage items. You can see there's a lot of interest um, and then things go for high prices sometimes. So I think it can seem 
I guess a little bit unapproachable occasionally because you're seeing, you might see these wonderful clothes coming up on Instagram or Etsy and they're disappearing in a flash as soon as they're listed or going for really, really high prices because there are people who really know their stuff and they get straight in. Um, So I think not being sort of put off by that. And as I mentioned, maybe starting with some repro and building up from there would be one thing. Um, And I think also, I guess, developing a little bit of a thick skin if those sort of comments that you might get about yeah, being modest, being feminine, traditional female values. Yeah, sort of just having to block those out and move past them and yeah, not let them put you off. Yeah, I think there's some really great tips for for any budding female reenactors out there. Um, And I think, like I said, we'll have to do a part two, I think, where we can get a little bit more in depth, I think, and, and provide even more guidance and support, I think, for any uh, any females looking to to uh, to join the hobby as well. And and speaking of um, of next season as well, and, and let's 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 look forward because you know, although the end doesn't seem quite in sight with this you know wretched vaccination that we've heard so much about, um, let's put all that to one side. And you know, Jess, what hopes and aspirations uh, do you have for yourself and for Ruby Woo Girls next season and beyond? just getting out to more events there's so many places that we want to go to that we've never been to um we just want to do as much as we can next year to make the most of it and make up for everything that we've missed this year um yeah just you know keep keep hearing you guys talking about pickering we want to go so much it just sounds amazing and yeah just trying to find more immersive events because again really love the episode where you talked about your immersive event and thinking if we could find something like that that would just be wonderful. Really would love to find something like that to do. Some great points there. I mean, um, do you know immersive events? I had a, a sort of a, a weird thought the other day. So I live about, not a weird thought, just an interesting idea. Um, so I live about five or six miles away from uh, the Beamish, I think it's called the Beamish Living History of the North or something similar. It's very similar to the Black Country Living Museum and various other sort of um, vintage inspired period areas. And they, uh, they have a 1940s event every year and they've got um, custom sort of built streets and shop scenes and high streets and parks of um, of events. And, and this is almost a, what I would call like a civilian immersive event um, where there are period houses that are dressed up um, with sort of reproduction furniture and some original furniture around there. And there's a really great opportunity to to almost expand upon the event that which usually has sort of tents and vehicles and whatnot there to almost have people um civilian side of things there as well not just the military side of things and to almost to, to, to live in these houses for the weekend and to socialize in the cafes and in the bars and to really put on a spectacle for the public so hopefully that immersive sort of immersiveness of events can can transform a little bit more to some of the public shows in in those kind of museums i think that would be uh, that would be awesome yeah, that sort of thing would be absolutely wonderful to get to go to. Definitely. And Pickering's, uh, yeah, Pickering's one you should try at least once. Um, like we, I think we've said before, it's Barmite. It's uh, it, it's the best and the worst of reenacting in uh, in one event. That You see some horrific sights that will burn the retinas of your eyeballs. Um, <laughs> but it's a great social and it's a good bit of fun, you know. So if you don't take it too seriously, then it's, uh, it's, it's an awesome event. A long way away for you guys, I guess. But, you know... Uh, we'll all be there so we get uh, have a good old catch up as well yeah I think that's the thing it's just traveling to meet more friends in the hobby as well there's so many people that we've gotten to know that we've met once in passing or never actually met face to face just it would be lovely to you know yeah actually get to meet some people properly as well yeah, absolutely definitely. absolutely and uh, so we are we are a week away from from Christmas now as well, and uh, we have heard Ellie once uh, with the intro to uh, to the episode as well. Uh, and now, if we're still feeling brave enough, Ellie, um, Ellie, Ellie's going to perform a very special rendition of uh, of White Christmas as well, so to get us all in the festive spirit ahead of uh, this year's strange Christmas. Are you still up for that, Ellie? Yeah, I'll give it a go. I'll see what happens. Awesome, awesome. Take it away when you're ready. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow 
Wow. Big round of applause there, I think, for Ellie. Absolutely fantastic. I don't know about you, Jess, but I was sat there with a big smile on my face there, transported to a different era. Oh, it's always so beautiful when Ellie sings. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. (laughs) So authentic. Yeah, such an authentic and beautiful voice as well. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, That's definitely. Lovely to hear. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. I'm sure our, our, our audience will, will love to hear more as well. Um, just, just as a bit of a plug for, for Ruby Woogles as well, can you guys just remind us of the, the Instagram tag as well so everyone can go out and check you guys out? Yeah. So we're at Ruby Woogles. So R U B Y W O O and then girls. Um, that's us on Instagram. Brilliant. Great. When we'll, uh, if you guys can send across some pictures of your favourite outfit as well, we'll get those up. Uh, and all of our female reenactors and male reenactors can check those out as well uh, and uh, and get in touch with you guys if they've got any more questions too. Well, it's been lovely speaking to you both uh, this evening as well and we will have to book in part two in the new year as well to dip through some of those tips in a little bit more detail as well. But I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas and we'd just like to wish all of our audience a Merry Christmas as well uh, and we'll see you all again soon. Take care, guys. Take care. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks for having us. No problem. See you later, guys.